Welcome to Cooperville. Do you know what's fun to do in Cooperville? Pack up your shit and get the fuck out. Listen. www.welcometocooperville.com <laughs> Who the fuck says www anymore? I can't even say it. www. <laughs> Stop that. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe. Get updates. Feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. Cool. Well, uh, Mike from Red Sun Rising and I, we go back uh, several years. We've crossed paths um, yeah. through my radio career. Uh, helped support the band as, uh, as best we could. And now he joins the Welcome to Cooperville podcast, man. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. When did you start doing this? I, I, somehow I missed this thing. Yeah, so uh, long story short, uh, I was let go from radio back in February after 20 yeah. years. And uh, needed some sort of way to speak my mind I guess in more of a free form uh, yeah you know I've in 20 years in radio I've crossed paths with a lot of uh, interesting characters and I figured what a, sure. what a better way to be able to um, actually have a conversation with them you know how radio interviews go it's 10 minutes in 10 minutes out do a song and thanks for coming this is yeah you know, it gets to be a little more in depth so yeah we uh, you're episode number 23 so thank you love it yeah thanks for having me so you know when uh, I want to kind of take you back actually first I want to talk about this the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to tug at your heartstrings right now, Pro- yeah. probably the most talked about football team franchise in the last year through the Super Bowl hype, through you know everything that uh, you know went on in the offseason, the draft, and now it's the buzz, man. You can feel the yeah. buzz now that training camp's underway. I know you posted about it the other day, and I'm like, we, we got to talk a little bit of how you're feeling about the season. I mean, I just uh... – I don't want to jinx it too much. You know, the, the, the typical Browns fan is to be a little overzealous and, and be like, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I mean, um, do I think they could do it? Absolutely. Um, but I'm really just kind of like, I'm ready for a fun season mm. and to know that they, they could win every game that I watch. And that's just like, we haven't felt that in a long time. I mean, last year was, was cool. And like, we started to kind of catch that fever a little bit, but this year you can just, see it you know all the bandwagon fans are coming out now so um but i've you know i've always been a browns fan and you know even when they suck i'm gonna watch (laughs) them but now it's like they could win so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to watch yeah it's you know it's a really cool story and i think you know being from wisconsin and born and raised and obviously you know packers are in our blood uh, yeah unless you can't stand the hype then (laughs) then you find like then you're a vikings fan or or a bears fan just because you're like well whoever you know yeah, I hate right. the Packers the most, but you know the Browns and the Packers. It's it's strange they've kind of gone through a weird. I don't want to say a changing of the guard or anything along those lines, but yeah. just Green Bay's been so good for so long, and we've had it so. You know, we lose a game, we're like you know the world ends, but then we're like, wait a minute, we're gonna probably win the division, and we we're bounce back. You yeah, know, yeah, it'll be fine. We're gonna be fine. You know, you go through the Aaron Rodgers injury of a couple of years ago, and you know the tumultuous twenty eighteen season fired our head coach and. 
But then, you know, the storylines were there for Cleveland. Uh, the season that was spectacular, unexpected, especially coming off the previous several seasons, Baker Mayfield, you yeah. know, and his, uh, and I, some people hate on Baker Mayfield. I love that in football, man. That guy's got attitude for days. We needed a little bit of that. I mean, it's just, it's been, I feel like they've been a little passive and like they needed that guy. That's just like a real strong personality. Mm-hmm. And whether you love him or hate him, it's a strong personality. And I think that, that, you know, speaks volumes and that that gets the hype going and gets the fans going for sure. And then you go out and get OBJ. Yeah. I know. You know, like why not go get yeah. OBJ? Hopefully, hopefully they can both keep their mouths shut long enough to get some stuff done. No, dude, this is going to be must see television. I mean, even if you're not, if you're a, like a, not a Browns yeah. fan, you're going to watch cause you know, absolutely. There's going to be happen. entertainment. This way they'll add pyrotechnics to the, uh, <laughs> to the end zone dances, yeah. man. We're looking forward to it, but you're, yep. yeah. You know what's funny is when when the um, in the '90s when we lost the team to Baltimore, yeah, um, the Packers actually became my team because I was like, I'm not gonna root for the the Steelers because they're, they're like the next closest team. I'm I'm not I'm not really a Buffalo fan, you know. So like Detroit, I was like, yeah, we have so many rivalries with Detroit with in other sports, mm-hmm. and it was just like, let's go uh, let's go with the Packers. They're kind of a similar like hardworking team, yeah. like for the people. And, uh, so I became a Packers fan until the Browns came back. <laughs> well, we're, we're glad we could fill the void in your life. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> it took a couple of years off, uh, but you know, born and raised in, uh, in Ohio. So obviously that's where the yeah. allegiances come from. Tell me about growing up in, uh, in Akron. What, uh, what was life like for you as um, a youngster? Akron was cool simply because I, I saw like all the phases of it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was, when I was growing up, it, it, it was just starting to, um, you know, Akron was really known for a lot of immigrants mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, a very blue collar, especially with like the rubber industries and the steel stuff in Cleveland. You know, a lot of a lot of people found their lives there and, and set their roots there early. So, you know, like my my grandpa's from Serbia mm-hmm. and, you know, he came over and worked for Ohio Edison all these years. And there's there's so many people like that. Um, and then as they started to get older, it started to change and um you know, some, some low income housing neighborhoods started to, the crime started to get bad. And then as I was, you know, going into college, I saw that start to gentrify back again as like a next generation was coming up. Um, and that's kind of when I was playing music and, um, I, I saw like new, new little cool trendy spots popping up and new venues and it was an exciting time. So I kind of saw like the three phases of Akron. Um, but it, it's Akron people, um, and I'm sure people say this about their, their hometown everywhere, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Akron people, if you meet someone from Akron, Ohio, um, somewhere else, it's like a loyal thing. Like, Oh, no way. Like you, you feel like you instantly bond with that person. And, um, and there's been a lot of successful people out of Akron. So I'm, I'm proud to kind of say that I'm from there always. Was it the music scene, uh, you know, in Akron? Where did, it, you know, when you were growing up, where did music first find its way into your life and into, you know, into a point where, you know, at, now at this juncture you look back and say, I guess that's where this, you know, roller coaster of a, you know, a career in music actually started. Yeah, it's, um, and it was a roller coaster in a way because um, when I, f- my mom always had a piano in the house and uh, it was just like a small, like a, uh, I think it was a, I think it might have been a Steinway, which is like an upright, nothing crazy fancy. Mm-hmm. But every Saturday morning, I remember this distinctly, she would clean the whole house 
and then she would sit down and play piano for like two hours. That was like her, that's how she like unwinded from cleaning the house. And she did that ever since I can remember. And you know, there's videos of me and my, my little sister just like tinkering around on the piano. And I think I started to just kind of develop a, an, an ear for that. And I would write fake songs on there and I, I couldn't actually play it. And um, by the time I got old enough to play, it like wasn't cool to take piano. It's like my friends like, oh no, you're gonna take piano. So, <laughs> so I got into really into sports, and I didn't really do much with music, but I always just kind of loved it. And then uh, when I was about 11 years old, I think I was 11, um, I saw this like documentary or something on Eric Clapton, and he was playing this black and white Strat, and uh, I was like, that's so awesome! I want to do that, and. Uh, I went over to my buddy, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Pettit's house. God bless him. Um, he, uh, he had one and he's like, dude, you got to check this out. And I went into his room and he just was like blasting this electric guitar, like as loud as possible. And that's like when I was just like, I got to get one of those. <laughs> and I think that night I came back and I asked my mom, I was like, can I please have an electric guitar? And, uh, I got an electric guitar for Christmas, um, when I was 11 and, uh, and it was a black and white Strat. I think it was a Squire. And, you know, I just started jamming with buddies and, um, you know, started a band with, with a friend at school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan Black, God rest his soul too. I don't know why all my friends are passing away. But um, he, uh, him and I started a band and was, was in a band all through high school. And, like, him and I just kind of learned how to, how to write songs together and play. Mm-hmm. And I was riffing off each other and that was some of the most fun times of my life. Just like not knowing, not even thinking about a career or anything, just right. really doing it for fun, which I still do. Mm. But, uh, then I went to college. I was like, I gotta get serious. I gotta go do something for real. I went to college. Uh, I went to Kent state for architecture and, you know, I'm going to school there and I felt, um, like I started to miss like, just like playing gigs and, uh, just playing music. And I started to really think about like, maybe I could do this for real. Mm. And, um, you know, that's when, you know, Red Sun Rising basically kind of started when I met Ryan and, um, we started the band and, um, just kind of was like a whirlwind, man. I can't even, it's crazy. And then that's when I, you know, I was like, I'm wasting money here and at Kent going to school. I can't stop thinking about this and I can't stop thinking about like booking shows. And like, um, I got real addicted to the business side of the music industry yeah. too, just like, you know, booking like little tours for ourselves and stuff. I got like, got, it got me so stoked. So that's kind of how that's, that kind of brings me to here, I guess. And right. I just kept going. Now you, you mentioned Clapton, obviously watching that documentary. Um, so there's some influence there as he was the, yeah. you know, the conduit between you and the Strat, um, you know, anybody else, you know, when you think back to what, you know, you maybe they first tried to play or emulate, you know, was there, you know, a handful of artists or, you know, even, even vocally, you know, cause I think, you know, you have, you have a unique range. Thank so you. You kind of, you know, you have, not that you have to find somebody who's in that same range, but it's, it's much easier to, you know, emulate somebody in your range than it is, you know, somebody who's in, in a different, you know, vocal styling as you, but what influences that, that you kind of said, yeah, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that kind of made you into the artist that you are. Um, yeah, I think, I think that was, it was ever changing. You know, when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, it was a lot of classic rock in our house, but you know, I, I loved the, the pop side of things. Like I loved the Beatles. Mm -hmm. I loved like, and the beach boys, I loved like those quick, 
like super catchy pop rock songs. And, um, you know, my mom was like really into Aerosmith. So I like loved Aerosmith when I was a kid and, and huge, big, airy ballads and big vocals. And, um, then I kind of, when I was in high school with, with that, with my buddy in the band, we kind of discovered grunge, like around that time. So like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and STP. And I started like getting really into that stuff. So it kind of, it just kind of changed with me, but I always had that sense of like a great song is a great song. And I, I always focused on the melody and the hook. And, um, so I, I listened to some obscure stuff as well, but that, that always, um, drew me in. And, And if you listen to anything that I've written now, you can really hear, that I focus mostly on the melody. And even if I'm saying a really brutally honest, dark lyric, you know, the melody is, I try to make as beautiful as possible. Yeah. And I I want to talk about, you know, songwriting and and lyrics, because I think, you know, in radio in 20 years, there was a lot of evolution, especially in the rock genre, a lot of, uh, a lot of changes in the sound, a lot of weird times and a lot of, uh, you know, and I think, Several years ago, it kind of got back into like really good songwriting, you know, bands that that wrote their own stuff and yeah, and even could and even could change song for song. I mean, you could have a you know a ten you know a ten song album, and yes, yeah, so you could tell, tell the stylings were still the same, but there was like yeah. a difference in it. Um, you know, with Red Sun, you know, there's there's always meaning to it you know there's always like a feel there's a vibe there's something i think from multiple perspectives of the listener or the fan you can go and look at it from a breakup point of view or an inspirational point of view you know when you sit down um and write you know in your element you know where do you draw from where does where does the you know you talked about melody but where does that you know that power come from when you put in you know pen to to paper I think a lot of it is um, um, just like actual life experiences and describing how I feel or how someone else felt um, from their perspective and trying to see something through their eyes. And sometimes that helps you gain perspective on the world in general and not allows you not to be so selfish. Mm -hmm. If you can kind of literally picture yourself in someone else's shoes and how they're feeling in that moment and and try to imagine it kind of like an actor would, would, you know, portray that person and really try to be that person, how that person react. Same thing. You know, you, you try to like feel their, those feelings and get it out. Um, I think that and, um, interactions with people, like how I've affected other people and how they've reacted to me doing something. And you, you can metaphorically put those into lyrics where, it can be transcendent into other emotions or other feelings and connect with somebody else in a different way. Right. It's like, I, I love that about art in general. Like the most beautiful thing other than art itself is in my opinion, the interpretation of it, mm-hmm. because when you put it out there and then someone comes back, it's like, Oh, uh, you know, emotionless means this to me. And it's like, well, that's not what it meant to me when I wrote it, but that is amazing what you just said. And yeah. uh, that's, what's cool about it. Where does your, uh, you know, when you write, can you, can you now, can you write in different, you know, spaces and different areas, you know, whether it's on a bus, whether it's on a you know plane, whether it's, you know, 
sitting down in your home, you know, do you have yeah. a, a spot that you go to or, or have you developed now a place you can be like, Ooh, this, and especially now with technology and we'll, we'll touch on that, where you can just, you know, jot down something that hits your head and then use it later. Where's your perfect spot to write or can you write anywhere? Uh, um, I kind of, kind of can write anywhere. And I think that's because I never really had a space. Mm-hmm. Like even, even growing up, I was like always at a buddy's house or like sitting on a, you know, in the park with a pen and paper or like my acoustic guitar and, which is funny because I never had a case and I had this like, t- I like tied a string on the, on like the top of my headstock of my guitar mm-hmm. and the, and the body. And I would like strap it on my back and ride my bike to this park and like sit there <laughs> and uh, wait for my buddies to get there. Cause I played sports too. So like mm-hmm. we were playing like backyard football, but I'd get there early and like jam on my acoustic mm-hmm. and then we'd create like really dumb songs and I'll laugh and drink beer in high school. Like, <laughs> my but, um, you know, we did all the normal stuff too, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I think I think I developed just when it strikes me, it just strikes me and I go and I kind of made this rule within myself to never force it. So right. if something strikes me, I'm like, oh, I have this idea. I get it down. And if if I can't finish it in that moment, then I'll just come back when I'm ready. And sometimes I'll come back a year later. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that little thing. And now I know how to finish it. Mm-hmm. So I never force anything. Um which I think I always tell people if they're like, you have any advice for songwriting or, or whatever? I was like, just don't force it because people can smell that. They know when it's forced. They know when you finished it because you thought it was good or you thought it was catchy. Just like let it actually happen and it will it'll happen. Yeah, or you had to get it done because you needed a tenth song for an album. Like, oh, we got to oh, write something. We got to put something out. I don't know what it is, but it's that actually be... has happened. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Rose, Rose was like that and the other side was like that, believe it or not. Wow. And the that... other side was almost not on that record. That's that's amazing. I wanted to bring that song up because that was, um, you know, when Polyester Zeal, and I want to get into the the, the, the magic of that record, um, you know, Other Side came out and it hit radio. And, you know, we, we get, used to get a ton of songs delivered. And, you know, the big bands that come through and it's like, well, here goes, here goes a song from uh, not charting into number two in two weeks. Yeah. I don't even, I didn't have to listen to it because I know I have to play it. But, right. you know, Other Side came out and I was like, this, this, there's, there was something special about that song and amazing to hear that it almost didn't make the record. And I, you know, there was, it had so much texture to it. And then the music video, I mean, you're just dirty, you know, like throughout the whole thing, just yeah. you know, like, you know, little, a little interpretation of, you know, crawling through mud. And then the record came out and it was, it's very rare a, that I would listen to an al- a full album from, from start to beginning unless I'm a huge fan of a, a certain artist. But that one, Polyester Zeal came out, and first song to last song, I was like, that could be a single. That could be a single. Still Upset Push wasn't a single. I don't know if we can you know, yeah. re-release that because that, that was a fade. But, I mean, that collectively as a record was just one of the ones, and, and I, have, I have a handful, like I think, you know, Offspring Smash was one of those albums where every song could have been. Oh, for sure. And, I had that record. And I think they all were. I think, I think they released yeah, all. Yeah, I think, they, I, I think yeah. they actually did it. Yeah, I think they, they're like, nope, just, how many are you at radio right now? Nine. We're going to do ten. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, all right. It's cool. But it, it was such a solid album, you know, to come out. and, and Thank you. Really cool to, to add a band into a rotation of a lot of stuff that, even in my programming you know, mind, sounded a lot alike. And then yeah. all of a sudden you have this band that has, you know, emotion to it and it's got texture and it's got, you know, it's, it's rough and dirty yet. It's clean and harmonic. It is, you know, 
but to hear that that song almost didn't make it, that's that's just that's cool anecdotal stuff to store in my brain and for all my fans. Yeah, <laughs> and, and same thing with the video. Uh, yeah. um, we were like, there's this big miscommunication with the label and the guy doing the video, which is Brad Gullowan. Um, he's done a lot of our videos at this point, and he's actually shooting a documentary. So he's been following us for eight years now. Oh. So he he did it, and um, he was like, I don't know what, where we're supposed to go, where this location is. So, like, we made some calls in Akron, and we found this one space. Like, it was an abandoned, like, storefront mm. building with a warehouse garage thing. And we're like, I guess we can shoot it in here. It was literally like... <laughs> Like, I guess we can do it here. And Brad's like, well, we need a concept. He's like, why don't you just get like really dirty and like just cover yourself in mud and like, you know, we'll just make some like creepy, cool shots and, and I'll, uh, I'll like kind of distort it. And it was like so thrown together and it, and because it was so like instinctual, mm -hmm. just thinking about the song and like just being there and be like, it actually worked because of the simplicity of it. It was just like, it just let the song be the song. Yeah. And it was perfect. You guys tend to have a lot of fun with your videos too, and that's you know everything from a various, uh, very serious note to uh, to some lighthearted stuff like amnesia, um, yeah. where you get to have some fun with it. Um, is is that is that a fun part of what you guys get to do? Is you know when you have a song out and and really you, there's not you know emotionless in all the videos that you guys have done. There's never like a it's just kind of okay. We can do this. Is that is that fun? Do you guys enjoy the the video process of it? I think. Um you know, I've always been very involved in like helping to create the, the visuals and the concepts. Mm. Um, and that's exciting cause that's just another, another way to be creative and, uh, and music allows me to do that, which is cool. Um, so yeah, I think we, it starts like, Oh man, we start spitballing and we, and we slowly, at first it's kind of a, a train wreck. Everyone <laughs> has their ideas right. and they just throw them in the hat and like, they're usually, all over the place. So we have to kind of focus it. It's like, okay, well that's cool. That's cool. And we kind of, it's usually over the course of like a month or so. And it just slowly kind of like chips down into like there. Okay. That's the idea. And, um, but yeah, we, we do have a lot of fun with it. And, you know, we always say we, you know, we take our art really seriously, but yeah. as you can see from, you know, amnesia, or if you, if you meet us in person, like <laughs> after a show or something, we're rarely, serious so it's like we take our art seriously but definitely not ourselves and uh you can see that in, in in some of our work yeah we have we have long stories and my, my wife and i uh who says hi by the way who misses your face and how are uh, you she's she's doing well uh the bird whistle story from uh from Rockfest a couple oh, years ago yeah uh, is that rick, ricky rick, i think rick and his bird whistle, rick and the bird we went to a store uh some like uh, it was a cbd store and it was like some oils and uh kind of a hippie store and they had like just giant bird whistles like you know made out of you know some sort of plaster of paris and i was like we need to find one of these for rick and just send it to oh him oh my god and <laughs> I the day he he came with that it we heard it like non-stop like, I, <laughs> I think we were touring in a van at the time and like I, I remember like hearing it in the middle of the night sometimes and he'd like giggle to himself and be like what is this guy doing man he's like <laughs> just uh just hit the bird whistle real quick it's gonna be fun hit the bird whistle That's enjoy fun. life that's fun though. No, you guys, you know, have had, um, you know, success, you know, radio success and, and the video success too. And it's, it's weird that in an era where, you know, when I grew up, obviously the only outlet for music videos was MTV. Um, yeah. they stopped doing that. They, that's no longer a, a thing that's 
in the realm of possibility. But, you know, with YouTube and all these other avenues that, and, and sharing on social media that fans can have a chance to, you know, see what, you know, spitballed ideas actually came into fruition after a month with uh, Red Sun Rising. I mean, you, you guys are getting more views than, than the MTV days ever could have imagined just because of how fast things can spread on social media. Yeah, it's it's wild. And, and I remember, like, getting off the bus when I was a kid and running home mm. to try to catch, like, one of the bands you liked on, like, TRL. Yeah. <laughs> we got to go. Like, Carson Daly's going to be on. And now you just, like everyone's there, there's no there's no urgency anymore it's like oh i'll look it up later i go oh, i'll see it later yeah it's it's, it's weird I, I can put together my own playlist and watch all my favorite videos when i you know fall down the rabbit hole of youtube oh yeah, yeah. i can do that for hours <laughs> uh, so you know the, coming off the uh, you know the success of the first record um talking about putting thread together um because you, you could definitely some 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 artists you can tell that there was not not that there wasn't maturity from album one to, to album two, but Thread just felt like it it, it had the same core to it, but it, it just felt like, wow, these guys have like stepped up. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that you, you picked that out. And, and it was, um, it was definitely the intention to make a different type of record. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know what that was actually going to sound like. Um, but we knew that we wanted to, um, challenge ourselves musically. And I think that's kind of what thread is like, take all these influences and, Mm. and, and create a real texture in the music. And, um, you know, stemming back to reference the Beatles and the beach boys again, you know, if you listen to a Beatles or a beach boys song, most of them, you hear this simple pop song, you hear the melody, you hear the harmonies and the lyrics, but a lot of times if you break them down and you realize the harmonies that they're choosing Mm -hmm. and the, the chord voicings and the guitar and the piano and how they're playing off each other and the crazy bass lines in some of those, you realize like how technical musically those were. Right. But at the surface, it's like, Oh, that's just like a very nice digestible pop song. It's fun. I'll get around. Yeah. So we kind of tried to capture that a little bit in the thread record. And that's kind of where the, the term thread even came from and um it kind of became like our pseudo genre in a way yeah pseudo it's your hashtag man yeah our hashtag man that's that's life is that is that is that where all the the fun shirts came out because i'm I'm trying to think of uh polyester zeal uh touring on polyester zeal and then touring on thread it seems like you know your your fashion sense you know the, the shirts on stage have have picked had developed some beach boys uh vibe to them oh yeah well first of all i just I think I've found my shirt for life. Like if, if I could just live in a Hawaiian shirt for the rest of my life, I'm cool with it because it, it's just so comfortable. You know, yeah. people are like, why do you always wear the Hawaiian shirts? And it originally came from playing the festivals in Florida and they were so hot. I was like, I'm just wearing this. I'm just, just going to wear this. And my thing. Like, oh, that's a sweet shirt, man. I'm like, all right, I guess this is what I'm wearing now forever. This is my look. This is, this is it. Mike's look. Yeah, you guys, kind of like Liam, Liam Gallagher in the raincoat. He's just yeah. like, I'll always have a Hawaiian shirt on. Like, like, Dude, it's not raining. But you you guys played some hot shows up here in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, my gosh. I yeah. can't believe it. And you're like, wait a minute. We're in Wisconsin. Like, it doesn't <laughs> it's not supposed to get this hot up here. That blew my mind up there. It's like, that was like dangerously hot. Um, I think it was Rock USA. Yeah. Man, what a fun show. But it was so hot. Like, I was sweating and into my in-ears. And like, I couldn't hear cause it would like, I'd wipe them out and then I would start playing again and it would just fill up with sweat and it would just be like, 
that's what it sounded like. So I was just like popping my ears out. It was so hot. <laughs> Are we singing underwater? It kind of feels like it feels like that's I got it, water in there. That's what it felt yeah. like, for sure. But you know, I think you know, you guys on the festival circuit is, especially now that some festivals, and I'll point out, you know, Rock Fest, obviously in our backyard here in Rock USA, they've really done a great job of getting, you know, fans in early, you know, and getting yeah. a, a chance for. So you guys, and I've I've been on standing on side stage with you know during early performances, and you know, and they block things off and people are all in the back. And, and I know bands, especially like you guys who are so, you can just tell that, that the, the feeding that you take from the audience. Um, but it seems like now you're getting a chance to really be in front of this energetic crowd who's like right there in your face. And you mentioned it on one of your posts about, I'm not sure who that guy was on stage acting all crazy because I'm a pretty chill dude, but you can feel that energy now with that crowd yeah. like right there in your face. And, 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 you know, when people talk about like, do you get sick of playing the same songs over and over again? It's like, yeah, but when the whole crowd sings it back to you, it's like doing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's like that energy, you can't replace that. That's, and, uh, you know, so whoever, you know, whatever fan is listening right now, like the louder you sing, you're just going to get a better show. Right. Like, the more energy you give us, the more energy we're going to get back. Cause it's just, that's just how it works. Very cool. Now, Tour, or, you know, life on the road, you know, can be crazy. I, you know, and I, you mentioned even in your high school and in, more in your college days, really getting into that business side of things and, and, and starting to book little tours when you were, you know, even in college and stuff. How much, you know, how much of a toll does the road take on you guys? I know you, you seem to like be one of the bands that kind of has it kind of figured out. Like it's not too much that it's going to, you know, hurt somebody, but it's, you know, it's enough that, everybody's getting a good, uh, good dose of red sun rising. Well, that, uh, that polyester zeal, those first two years were brutal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were out at one point for like almost eight months straight. Oof. We did like the whole U S on a, on a, on a, uh, a support tour. And then we did the festival circuit right into a West coast tour, right into Europe. Then we came back, did festivals here and then went back into the European festivals. And it was like the most like people were like relationships and their family life were, were getting like really kind of destroyed right. because it's like you there's only so much you can do. There's only so much communication through a phone mm -hmm. that you can do to, to maintain that. And, and that was brutal. And mm -hmm. uh, all we could do is just like have each other there and be like, let's just try to have the best time we can because, you know, who knows where this is going. This could be over tomorrow. <laughs> so. It's a great eight months of our life. All right. Now, uh, yeah. food service industry. How does that yeah. sound? Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, you could do the drive through thing, right? You'd get you on a microphone there. You'd sing to yeah, people, yeah. sing people's sing, orders. I, sing all the orders. <laughs> How would you like a fries with that? You know, I, think I saw, <laughs> I saw Kiss was one of the first bands I ever saw like live, like a big concert. And, uh, and I remember him singing like everything, even between. He'd be like, What's up, Detroit? He's like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. in between. <laughs> Like normally somebody would just talk, but he sang everything. The guy didn't stop singing. Yeah, you got to keep got to keep those vocal cords warm, man. You can't yeah. can't be settling down in your your talking voice, man. He did call he did call us Detroit in in uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, though, which was weird. <laughs> Someone so didn't was, they didn't switch out yeah. the script. 
Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> like some, he didn't yeah, someone missed the teleprompter. It was yeah. on the curtain in the back. They're like, oh, I guess we're doing two shows in Detroit tonight. It's a long bus ride around the block, man. Right. Damn it, Gene. Stop driving crazy. No, it's 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 been a wild. You know, it sounds like a wild ride for you guys. When you, you know, when you look back at this point, you know, at where you're at, you know, what's what's the one thing that you're like, that's kind of next. Do you have a next thing, or is it, you know, um, or a place you want, or like a place you want? Like, man, we really want to tour this location. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's touring locations. We 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 were lucky that we got to do. Um, two really great European tours mm -hmm. with, with uh, Alter Bridge and Skillet. Yeah. And they're, they have a lot of popularity in some really weird, not weird, but countries that you would normally go right. touring, like a lot of the Eastern European countries. So we got to see a lot of that, which, you know, if I never get to go back, which, you know, I, we will, you know, but um, I got to see that. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really a cool experience. And we, you know, the one year we did, I think it was a hundred and Pat, the drummer lo loves documenting these things. So mm. he would know the exact, if you ever want to ask him, <laughs> but I think it was like 182 shows in like 19 countries or something like that. It was unbelievable. And, uh, that was like two years ago. That was the touring schedule and that, that was super brutal. Um, but it was, so much fun it was like the most fun i would never want to do again if that makes, if that makes sense <laughs> that was a blast well if, if, if checked off the bucket list yeah then you're good you're like, like as far as like going forward i think um i think just you know keep keep pushing forward as a musician and whether it's you know i know i've been writing a lot and i think there's some songs that are coming up that i'm like is this really a red sun rising song or mm. is it do i want to release this through a different avenue and i'm not saying to get rid of Red Sun Rising or, or do go solo or something, right. but maybe there, there's some other projects in the works that I might want to do because I can't wait, um, two years between re and, and only release 11 songs every two years. Right. I can't, I just can't do that. I have to, I write too much. So I'm, I might be doing some, some, some extra curricular, uh, stuff. I don't know. So do you take breaks? I mean, I know you're, you're on a little bit of a, you know, you have a couple of days off here, you know, and yeah. thanks. So thank you I mean, on your office. When I'm home, I, I try to enjoy it. I, yeah. Especially, I live in Chicago, so the summer. We heard makes the it worth it. we heard the sirens. We know where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it it makes it worth it living here. Yeah. The, the, you know the lake is beautiful, and I got a buddy that has a boat out there. So you know he'll he'll take me out and uh, we'll hang out. And um, I got a bike here. It's a super bike friendly town. Yeah. So I try to really get out and and enjoy being outside as much as possible. But in the winter. I'm pretty much hunkered down in here and I'm just writing <laughs> music. That's pretty much what's going on. Well, I, I know how that goes, man. Cause I, uh, you know, living in Wisconsin, that's basically our gig is we are here uh, in winter time for six months. And then uh, we get three, three weeks of summer and then it's yeah. fall or. You got, yeah. You, know, you got to get out there. <laughs> you really got to get out and enjoy it. Otherwise you're just shoveling constantly. Right. Uh, you, know, you mentioned doing a lot of festivals, you know, overseas, you, you, you've done the circuits around here. Um, is it are those are those fun avenues for you guys? Because you do get a chance to kind of you know not only hang out with bands that you've had a chance to tour with or you played shows with, but to see and meet other bands that you know maybe you haven't had a chance to to cross paths with. So those those are fun for you guys. Yeah, I mean we're just like anybody else. Even though we're we play music, we're still huge music fans. Yeah. So like when we get to finally get to play, like when we got to share a stage with a Perfect Circle and Tool mm -hmm. and and the biggest bummer 
was one of my biggest influences, Chris Cornell, hmm. if yeah. you've never noticed. I, uh, we were supposed to play with them. I'm like, finally going to get to play with, with uh, Soundgarden. Like, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it was that weekend that, you know, he left us. And we went to, and I think Live, the band Live, yep. took over for their spot at, at Rocklahoma, which I love Live, too. But I'm like, man, I was this close to play, like sharing a stage with Soundgarden. And that, that would have been a dream come true. But, um, but yeah, like anyone else, we're, we're just fans. And the coolest part about touring so much um, and doing all these festivals is, is the backstage environment becomes better. You start to get to know these other bands and mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's, there's Jimmy from, you know, the, the plums, uh, you know, whatever. Right. It's like, <laughs> you start to get to know these people and right. you, and you have, you have meals with them and you start developing relationships and you see like, Oh, we'll see you at a couple weeks at this festival. And, um, that just makes it touring more fun and, and, uh, it makes you not miss home as much. Right. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Chris Cornell thing, you know, the Chester Bennington anniversary was, uh, was recently too. Um, yeah. and you guys obviously had been, you know, established, you know, in, in that, that time frame. was there a, a change in, in the, I'll call it the family of rock and roll, at all um, as far as support goes. I mean, I know there's a lot of, there's now seemingly more uh, via social media, a lot of outspoken, uh, you know, advocates for, for mental health. And, you know, it doesn't always look this way. Obviously you can see a guy who's extremely happy one day and then, you know, obviously is dealing with a lot of stuff. Is, is there, is there support when you guys are out? Do you, do you feel that more these days? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's more people, you know, we did actually get, did a tour, um, that raised money for mental health, mm-hmm. um, for our, our song stealing life. And, uh, if you haven't seen the video, check that out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're, we're talking about. And, um, that was right after those two passed. And the thing with those two in particular is like, you know, there's, there's artists that are, you know, messed up on drugs or have mm-hmm. had some problems. And, but those two just seemed so like such stand up guys and so normal. Mm-hmm. And, when that happened, I think it shook a lot more people than, you know, someone that has openly had a lot of issues. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I did, it was definitely tough for me. It was tough for the band members. That was kind of one of those, you know, celebrity deaths that right. I think actually affected us. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you see it a lot. And, and, you know, after we released that song and that video, especially on that tour, we had a lot of fans, you know, expressing their, concern for us about you know being out and just making sure we were okay for releasing a song like that or it's like are any of you feeling that way and sharing their their personal stories and um but i think that was the point was just to open the dialogue about it and uh we accomplished that you know at least in our inner circle and it and hopefully it it can you know move outward from there and I noticed that you guys, uh, you know, you in particular are, you know, very open in conversation with, uh, with your fans via social media, you know, you're, you know, they just don't post and, you know, obviously it's, it's tough to get to every single person that yeah. you know, replies on something, but, but you, you, you don't just post something and then let it kind of live out there. You know, if someone has a comment, you, you know, you're one on there, how's, how is social media, you think kind of changed the relationship between artists and fans? Because obviously before we used to be the music and then you had, you know, live shows and a video. Yeah. Now there, there can be more almost open dialogue and, and, you know, 
interpretations of things that that can happen on social media has that how has that affected how you guys kind of you know roam that area i think it i think it needs to be you know that's just the the world we live in i think mm-hmm. there was um when it social media first started to happen i mean i mean i remember the myspace days when i was in high school yep. you know throwing your van and stuff and this that was all new and it was just like you know we loved artists you know like uh tool for example where they were so mysterious mm-hmm. and so behind the curtain and you can't really be that anymore that's right. that era is kind of like there's creative ways of doing it there's people that wear masks and blah 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 um but you know even like Corey taylor eventually he's got to just be a, a real person right and people need to connect with that real person mm-hmm. and he's done a great job at that and um but that's that's the truth it's like if you really want to make a real connection with your fans, it's not just through your music anymore. They, you know, um, and, and the thing I notice is like, sometimes I'll post a picture on stage, just playing on stage, whatever. I'm like, Oh, we got this show, these shows coming up, but it's the pictures of me just like riding my bike at home or drinking a beer mm-hmm. that get the most action. And because people are more interested in, and what else are you doing? Right. We know you do that. <laughs> you know, we see that and that's what social media is. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's wild and you have to just embrace it. So other than writing music in the winter and sitting around, I'm usually responding to people <laughs> and my <laughs> wife hates it. <laughs> what are you doing? Stop talking to those people. Hanging out with me. I'm over here. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> I mean yeah. that. No, it's, you know, it, it has opened up so many, I think, uh, in a lot, as much negativity as I think, uh, social media gets is a much and and there is there's a lot of crap that sticks to the wall uh, out there and gets shared and um you know probably (laughs) leads to the detriment of some uh some organizations or human beings but you know i think it has given us this this tool of communication that didn't exist you know when it didn't exist you know and people will talk about well we used to pick up the actual phone or we used to go and visit people yeah you know my mom lives out in, in California. My dad lives on the other side of the, you know, of the state, you know, so these are the tools that kind of keep us even as a family and for bands that are on the road and they want to, you know, see each other or whatever, talk to their family at home. It, it's definitely opened up some ways for us to, to still be connected, even though we're apart, which is. Absolutely. Yeah. So where is the rest of, uh, where does the rest of the year take you guys? I got 2019. I want to say summer's wrapping up here in Wisconsin. So, um, yeah. So you're saying, what are we doing for the rest yeah, of the what's, year? What's the rest of the year for the band got going yes, on? The rest of the year we got, um, just a couple more shows. Honestly. Um, we're doing a, we're doing one show in September. I, we're doing Sturgis. Um, Ooh. that'll be fun. We're doing a show with Incubus this weekend, which another big influence. So I'm yeah. stoked about that. Um, got a couple shows at the end of the month and then one show in September. It's us and highly suspect in uh, the home state of Ohio, which will be a blast. Um, and then I think, you know, we might do in the fall, we might do some, I, I really want to do an acoustic run. I don't care if it's like just 10 cities. I just want to do like a real chill vibe, um, just sing and not have to worry about everything else. Just like sing some songs. I, I want to do that. And so I might, I might try, try doing that. And, and a couple of the guys from the band, will probably join me so it'll most likely just be basically us but you know it sounds uh, good on an acoustic tour bird whistle 
You know? Bird whistle, bird, bird, absolutely. Bird, bird, get bird, bird whistle, whistle player. <laughs> get a professional though. You know, let's. Yeah, yeah I'll get a professional. <laughs> I can't be. It can't be Rick. He's. No, he's an amateur. You get a little too excited, and you'd be like, "No, dude, no, wrong key. That's not right. Yeah, that's not, that's that's not where we're going." Uh, but in, talking about Incubus, uh, we saw them uh, two years ago, and it was at a festival, and the most probably the most tranquil show I've ever been to. It was lightly raining, and you nice. got Incubus doing their thing. Like my wife and I are standing next to each other, like this feels like we are on, literally on a different planet. Yeah, you know, you know how Brandon just kind of owns the stage in his own way, and if the rain's falling, and we're like, the world outside of that, you know, those two chairs did not exist. During yeah, and they're show. already they're already a vibey band anyway, yeah. and then to add those elements yeah. is, is incredible. I mean, it did smell like pot too, but it wasn't us. Yeah. <laughs> that happens at Incubus shows. What happens at every show? What are you talking about? Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, one one thing I, I do want I've, I've always wanted to inquire about is uh, you guys did the cover of uh, of Uninvited by Alanis Morissette. Uh, which is incredible, an incredible. I mean, thank you. Bands cover a lot of songs, and and some are decent, but that one was just like your vocal range is just so like kicks that song's ass. It's not even. I saw you do it live. I've seen, I've heard the song on the radio. I've seen the video. You know, tell me about that particular song because I think when you you put the video out, thank you for making it PG uh, fourteen rated. Yeah, that worked out well. But it, it just. It completely again. I think we talked about this earlier. It really gives you this different interpretation of of a song and and how maybe you viewed it and how you know, when she wrote it, she viewed it. Just tell me about you know that particular cover song and, and putting it together and 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 playing it. Um, I mean that song. I, I've always loved Alanis Morissette. Mm. Only you know, especially for a as a vocalist, as a as a lyricist, as a songwriter, and I've always wanted to cover one of her songs. And, um, that one just had this darkness to it that I was just drawn to. And, and it was really interesting because if you listen to the recording, her version, it's all orchestration. Mm -hmm. So we had to figure out how to do that as a, as a rock band with, you know, drums, bass, and guitar and a, and a vocal, not with strings. So that was a, that was a challenge in itself. And then vocally it was, you know, to do that female registered part. Mm -hmm was very challenging for me, which I was up for. And I was, I was excited to do it. And, uh, it did, it did push me. And we, we recorded that with Sylvia Massey. She's, she did like the early tool records and mm-hmm. she really pushed me vocally in there. And, uh, I mean, I remember being behind the glass, like in the vocal booth and she's like dancing, like waving her arms and like trying to pull it out of me. Like she's wow. very eccentric like that. And, but it like, so works. Like mm-hmm. she just wanted me to submerge in it. And, um, the video was Brad Gullowin, the guy mm. that's been documenting us. He, it's actually a short film yep. that he that he created. It's the short film's called Eddie, and I saw it and I was like, "This would be amazing with this song. Can we make an edit that it's like so perfect for it? It's mm. like unbelievable." Um, so we, you know, we sat down and made it, made edits and cuts to kind of make it fit the song right and. Um, yeah, to hear people's interpretation of that is is cool too. Some people got a like a, a creepy vibe from it, and but if you know, I see it as just you know that the old man just really wanted to see that girl happy. He wanted mm-hmm. to make someone happy. He was mm-hmm. so alone. He just wanted to make someone happy, and he did. And uh, that's how I view it. Yeah, I mean, powerful stuff. Like you know. All the stuff that you guys put out, I mean, it's it's powerful, it's energetic, it it really it has a, a message, and I think that's 
so important in, in music nowadays, especially when there's a lot of surface out there to find things that, that draw you in and that you can put into your own life context. Yeah. The, the beer drinking songs are fun because those are times that, that, you know, yeah, those, those happen too. That, that happens. And you know, those are the ones that the, you look forward to, but I think those songs kind of, you get to those songs by experiencing the ones in the middle, the ones that talk about the, the hard stuff and uh, the difficult things to talk about and the emotional things. And, but you guys have always done an amazing job of just pulling people and pulling, you know, minds and hearts and souls into your music. It's an incredible ride that I am glad I got to be a part of for, for a moment in time. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to watch you guys and watch you freak out on stage is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I like watching me freak out on stage. I don't even, I don't know what I'm looking like doing that. I, Oh, I get there's the video. Hey, that's what I look like. All right. Oh, that's that's right. That's what I look like. That's a good looking shirt though. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that, that shirt was, was spot on, man. All right. Mike, hey, brother, really appreciate the time and the conversation and the stories. Like I said, this is one of those the cool things about technology and, and the way that people listen to things is, is the stories that are behind it. And I'm glad I got to hear yours and, and hopefully we can do it again sometime, maybe face to face. That was fun, man. Awesome, brother. <laughs>